Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. It is, by the time this is actually released, it will be August, fellas. There's no more months without football until February or March. Is the Super Bowl in February? Usually, right? It's in February, yeah. yeah. So March. No more football. No more months without football until March. So. Wait, is, is uh, XS, XFL 2020, right? I mean, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and <laughs> jump on and that, CFL, go for it. man, football is going to be continuous. It for is twelve but months. You know what I mean? Like it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while since the AAF flopped, and we've been waiting for football yeah, to got, be back. I got, I got hope for Vince McMahon. Yeah, no, I think the XFL has a chance, but, um, but anyways, that's that's neither here nor there right now. It's going to be August by the time this is released. Um, it's the end of July. Football camp starts this week for all three teams. Uh, I believe Air Force has already started, right, Scott? They've already had a day or two? Yeah, they have. Yeah, so I think I saw, yeah, they started yesterday or today. Um, so Air Force has, has started camp. Um, Army, I believe, starts on Thursday. Navy starts on Friday. Um, Air Force and Navy have their kind of media day fan fest on Saturday. So we're here. It's week one uh, of camp and getting back into football season. You guys excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to give a little – a warning for tonight um this will be afterwards but i guess i think the bachelorette season finale just started it's like mm. eight o'clock on tuesday recording this so Kara's in the room next to me and so if, uh, there could be loud noises or screams one way or the other depending on what happens all right man sounds good um uh, that's going on the bait's going on braves are being mm-hmm. the nationals right now so austin yeah mm-hmm. hey it's a good night good last night it was great last night was good for, for you that Grand slam by Rendon was solid, so we'll see. It's a good right. day too. What's I mean, the score trade, right now in that game? Five nothing, or was five nothing? Um, trade deadlines uh, tomorrow, so yeah, a lot going on. But we're here to talk football. So service academy football. Um, we're we we finished the offense offensive previews last episode, uh, so we're gonna dive into to the defensive previews tonight. Um, you guys got anything else that you wanna? chat about before we spend our episode talking about what we can expect on the defensive side of the ball from our three service academies this season i say we get into it all right so um kind of well i mean last so last season we had established <clears throat> entrenched defensive coordinators right at navy and army with jay bateman and what he had done to to you know revitalize that army defense and then um, you know, Dale Pearson at Navy, been there um, on staff for forever, been the defensive coordinator for a few years. And it was Air Force, right, where we're, like, making fun of Scott because it's, like, the week, the week of game one. Maybe it was even after game one. I don't even remember. We didn't know who the defensive coordinator was until, like, halfway through the season. Um, but Air Force, I think, is kind of, you know, the defensive staff maybe a little more solidified. Uh, Army is having to replace Bateman. They got John Luce taking over, kind of stepping into those shoes. Um, and the Navy is is 
not a complete, you know, rebuild, but um, brand-new defensive coordinator uh, in Brian Newberry and some other new defensive staff members. Um, so I think there's a lot to talk about, but I think that, that it's exciting in a lot of ways. We talked about how the offense is, um, you know, maybe looking forward to really the quarterback rooms and the talent in the quarterback rooms at all three schools. Um, but in a lot of other ways, kind of just ho-hum, it's, it's, it's service academy offense, and we're excited for, for what it's going to do. But I think the defense is going to be, um, for all three of these teams, how they win games and have successful seasons. Do you guys agree with my analysis on that or not? Yeah, I, I would ag- agree. I think what's going to benefit Navy, though, too, is if they can just be a little bit more efficient on offense, they're going to have to rely on the the defense a little less. I think last year the defense was called upon uh, a little too often based on offensive struggles, and then the defense couldn't hold their end of the bargain. So it was just kind of a, a lose-lose. So if the Navy offense can be a little more efficient and the defense can, can be more aggressive and maybe force one or two more turnovers, then... Then hey, then you're right. Yeah, for and for Air Force, I would say that, and I hate to really give them any kind of credit, but um, to Army, but I say I'd like to follow their model and basically just kind of clean up a lot of the issues that we have on both sides of the ball, and then just allow our defense to grow. We're in a really lucky position this year where we have a ton of returners. Um, it's actually solidified where we know who our defensive coordinator is, and he's been there forever. So um, that's really just the biggest thing that I'll be looking for. Yeah, and I mean, I think, and I'll kind of, once again, we don't have Kayla here tonight. I uh, didn't introduce myself, but Justin, we got Scott, we got Austin. Um, but Kayla is still on her AT, so um, she's out there in the woods somewhere. We'll have her back hopefully next week for um, for our next episode as we kind of get into a more regular routine. That's something to bring up, too. We're going to kind of shift from this every other week, every three weeks to a, you know, a weekly um weekly episode as we move into football season and um but but Kayla's not here so on the army side yeah I mean I, I would agree like both both schools can kind of look towards the way army has built their defense I think and just um the way they they played and just especially on that def- in the defensive backfield and in that that back seven really the linebackers and and the defensive backfield I mean um we'll get into that more but but what army brings back back there is pretty scary too and Air Force is the same way. Navy has probably some less proven guys across the board, but definitely some guys that stepped in last season as things kind of fell apart. Some, you know, for for Navy, they got some experience, and I'm sure Austin will touch on that. Um, but I mean, I guess let's just do kind of like we did last time. Let's just do some position breakdowns. Uh, we'll talk about the defensive line, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk uh, linebackers and and DBs. Uh, so so Scott, yeah, I mean, let's start with you. Let's start with Air Force and that defensive line. Um, what excites you? Who are you looking for um, to to step up? And gosh, I I know what should excite you, so I'll, I'll let you kind of carry that. But uh, but how is that defensive line shaping up? Yeah, I'm really excited about the returners. Honestly, uh, Mo Fafita I think is a lightning rod um, and kind of the captain of the defensive line, if you will. Um, I guess as far as that could possibly go, but. I would say that it's really going to be come down to experience and creativity and meshing well as a unit. I think our defensive line works really, really well um, with the linebackers as well, and you can kind of see how um, everybody really knows their role. And so I think seeing, like I already already mentioned, Mo Fida, he's a big guy, um, plays really well, has a lot of experience, then as well as Jared Blair and Jordan Jackson. So I think that they're really solid, and it's kind of like, 
one of those situations where we have the tools right now uh, to be extremely successful and be disruptive too. Be disruptive to offenses because that's where Air Force thrives, right? If when we have really good seasons, usually we force a lot of turnovers, and I think that's going to be something that we're looking to. And so, hopefully, uh, like I said, John Rodzinski, he's our defensive coordinator. Um, I think if he's able to capitalize and use these guys as effectively as possible, it's going to be a really great thing. Yeah, I, I mean, so you brought up Mo Fafita first, right? He's kind of anchoring that nose guard position. Um, this is his, I guess, second year starting, but he's played um, the past three years, some, or maybe all four years. Maybe this will be, yeah, I don't know um, exactly, but I know, you know, he's he's entrenched there, and he's a big guy, right? That was a, It was a big thing when he kind of emerged on the line a couple years ago because he's breaking that mold or starting to help break that mold of the small defensive and offensive lineman at service academies. It doesn't have to be that way that we can get some bigger guys on the line. I mean, he's like six, one, 315 pounds or something. Um, and, but he's also, he can, he can be disruptive. He's, he's, he's um, kind of nimble at the position as um, has made some big plays. And, and really if he's able to kind of take on maybe that double team at the nose guard position, if that's the case and some, you know, in running this, the three, four, um, Jordan Jackson, right? I mean, what a breakout season last year. Um, I think he was second team all Mountain West. He's preseason all fir- or first team all Mountain West. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that <laughs> I think when you look at the defensive line for Air Force, it's going to be that kind of third end position with Blair uh, and then the depth. Uh, I think that you know making making sure they have depth, uh, people that can rotate in behind those entrenched starters um, is going to be important because you kind of know what you have from the starters. Um, especially in a guy, like I said, like Jackson, um, who, who ended up with 54 tackles as a defensive lineman last year, 12 and a half tackles for a loss, which was like, almost, I don't know, maybe even like double the next closest person on the team. Like he was well above that, um, four and a half sacks. Uh, and I think he might even had a, um, a safety, but, but you have really good, good guys up front starting what's the depth going to be like, um, and how are they going to build that and how are they going to be able to rotate people in? Um, but that front three, I think, will set the set the tone for the back, you know, eight for Air Force, and uh, and they have some really good players there. So we'll get to it in a minute. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a, a good place to start for the Air Force defense. Um, what about Navy, Austin? Uh, so for Navy defensive line, well, we talked last podcast about the offensive line, and we kind of said they had potential, and we kind of built it around Ford Higgins in the center spot uh and on the defensive line i see kind of something similar in the nose guard position with uh jackson Pittman. i think he's going to be the defensive line leader this year for navy he played he started in every game last year or definitely played in every single game last year um <clears throat> and at 6'3 300 pounds uh he's played in 39 out of a possible 40 games in his career to include 25 starts at nose guard uh, what's interesting, too, about the nose guard position for Navy is, or the defensive line in general, the next most experienced player probably for Navy is the reserve nose guard in Dave Tolentino. So the nose guard position is going to be a pretty solid position for Navy uh, every single down, every single play, which is going to be something that's uh, going to be carrying the entire defensive line unit. Because when you look at the, the defensive ends, um, you've got less experience. You do have Jackson Perkins, who's six six. This is right now he's at the top of the depth chart. Um, Denzel Polk might be able to make some noise. And then in the defensive tackle position, Marcus Edwards, uh, he saw action every game last year but only tallied in five tackles. 
So uh, it's going to be built from the inside out, I think, when you're talking about the Navy defensive line. So if the nose guard position can 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 really force those two-on-one matchups and kind of let some other guys on the sides maybe win one-on-one or let the linebackers come in and, and force some pressure, then I think that's going to be the key to the success. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as, this, as the defense kind of shifts and is looking to bring more pressure, do some more blitzing, try and catch offenses a little more off guard, um, that nose guard position is going to be key. And, and so if you're going to have a position to have an entrenched starter who's started all but one game of the last two seasons and played in every game but like one of his Navy career, um, I mean, that's where you want it, I think, is it nose guard. You think about back in the early days of the AAC time with Navy um, when Keenan was at the offensive helm. I mean, Bernie Serra was was anchoring that defense at the nose guard position um, and you know, kind of unheralded, un- unheard of. He doesn't make a ton of tackles in the game, but he eats up blocks um, and was, you know, enabling people to come off the end. So um, that's not to say, I mean, like you said, that's that's where it starts, but we're going to need some pressure from the guys on the end um, a couple of times a game, right? It's not, it doesn't have to be uh, every drive or anything, but we're going to have to get some pressure in the backfield with those guys on the end or it's not going to open up what uh, Newberry, I think, wants to do and kind of his attacking style of defense um, that he's bringing. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, Jackson Pittman will be there. He'll be he'll be solid, but we need you know need Jackson Perkins to have a big year. Need some of these guys to step up and and prove in camp that they're ready to take that next step, um, and and get some. I mean, obviously, got to get some experience quick because Navy's schedule is not set up very well um, for them to be trying to learn on the fly. Right after Holy Cross, it's going to be a rough go of it in September um, if they're not ready to go. So, yeah, I think it's I mean that's pretty good look at, at navy uh, do you guys want to talk about army i mean we don't have to kayla's not here uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> it's so it's so painful for justin to want to talk army i love it <laughs> hey i'm actually signed myself up to write for the write the army i wrote the air force defensive line article i'm actually signed myself up to write the army dbs because i'm really excited to talk about them because we'll get to it in a minute but that that's a that's a solid position group um so i mean army uh, obviously bring you know had a great Great season last year. A lot of that attributed to Jay Bateman, but they have a lot of talent. Um, and John Luce steps into that role, kind of building off what Bateman had already um, brought and established at Army over the last few seasons. Um, and and you can talk a lot about Kelvin Hopkins and the offense, but, I mean, whenever I watch Army football, like the defense is what stood out to me last year because I felt like I knew what I was going to get out of the offense, but the way the defense played, um, it, it as the season progressed, I got more and more nervous for Army-Navy. Um, going into that just because I think that, that the defense, um, it, it was just a solid unit, you know, across the board. Um, and there are some people that have to be uh, replaced on the defensive line and Oyotega and, and Ray Wright, but in a lot of ways, um, you know, they're coming back and, and they have some some experience um, with with guys like Rod Stoddard um, at nose guard, Jacob Covington at tackle with uh, Kwabina Bonsu behind him. Both of them have some experience. Um, Bonsu playing in four games uh, and Covington played in all 13 games last year and, and had a good year, 14 tackles and two and a half tackles for a loss. Um, the, the, the big thing that I want to see for them coming into camp is out of spring ball, uh, Adrice Patterson, who had a great year last year, um, 21 tackles in 12 games, two and a half tackles for a loss and a couple of sacks um, at the defensive end spot. Uh, he actually came out of spring camp and he wasn't on the depth chart. Um, because he suffered an injury, and so he's he's coming into fall into fall camp with um, having to kind of make up some ground and get that starting job back. So Jake Ellington was listed at the top of the post spring depth chart at D end, 
Um, so I guess those two will battle it out. Ellington also, um, he got in all 13 games and, and was productive. So um, same type thing, same message. The guys up front got to get it done. Um, but, you know, if there's an area along Army's defense where they may be a little more uh, susceptible to um, to a fall, you know, back out of their kind of impressive 11 and two year last year, I think the defensive line might be that spot. So we'll see. Um, all right. So that's a, that's a good first segment right at 15 minutes. We're trying to keep this under an hour for Scott. So he doesn't, so we don't add days to his uh, editing. Uh, apparently every time we go over an hour, it adds like two more days to his editing. So we're going to, we're going to take a commercial break here. Uh, and we'll be back in a minute to talk defensive backs and linebackers. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, I should have said this at the beginning, but I'll say it now and I'll say it at the end too. Um, so gearing up for football season, and we'll, we do want to uh, to announce that we are planning on doing our first ever live podcast show, live recording of the podcast uh, at the Navy Holy Cross game week one uh, on August 30th. That's Friday night um, from 5 to 6.37-ish. At Mission Barbecue upstairs, the Mission Barbecue downtown Annapolis. Um, so if you're in town, you know, you know, family of the Brotherhood listening to this, anybody in town for the game for the weekend, and especially 2009 grads, it'll be. I think we're the only class that has a reunion that weekend, um, because why would anybody want their reunion to be against Holy Cross? Um, sorry, whoever planned the reunion. Three, I mean, three day weekend. Yeah, I get it. Labor Day, got it. But I'd much rather it be the Air Force weekend. Um, if we're being honest, but that's okay. So it'll be a good, uh, good opportunity for us to get out there in case you guys didn't know, Austin and I are both 2009 grads. So it's our 10 year reunion. Um, and yeah, we're going to host a live show. We've already got, um, you know, at least, at least one player lined up to come former player to come chat with us. And we're going to try and get some other guests on the show recorded at mission barbecue, eat some food, um, drink some beers, hang out. So come swing by that, that live recording. It should be a good time. And then Saturday at the, um, at the stadium, We'll be walking around with some against all enemies swag. We'll have our, our flag raised high somewhere for, for tailgating. Uh, and I can't reveal yet who it is because it's not officially worked out, but uh, we're in talks and pretty serious talks to potentially have a, an official sponsor by then. Uh, and that official sponsor just happens to um, produce alcoholic beverages. Uh, and so it's going to be a good time. We're excited about that. And, and really the goal is to lead this into um, bigger games this season and then beyond that I mean our goal would be to get to all three schools at least once during the year I think um, is kind of what we talked about and so that would be a great great thing for us so this year we're targeting specifically Navy Air Force and then Army Navy um, if we can get Air Force Army that'd be great too but those are the three that we're targeting so this will be kind of our test run um, so yeah it should be a lot of fun uh, Austin I know you're excited I'm excited I think that'll be a a great time, a great weekend, and, and hopefully, sure. hopefully in the next couple of weeks on the podcast we can announce uh, an official sponsor, and, and that'll just add to the excitement. So come check us out, live recording, previewing Navy season, basically, on August the 30th at Mission Barbecue at 5 o'clock, right it's after the, the parade. Uh, the downtown Michigan Barbecue. Yes, correct. I think I said Be that there. once, but the downtown Annapolis one. Don't go to the, the one over uh, – Near the town center or whatever. That'd be bad. Reva Road or something? Yeah, I think it is Reva. Probably near the town center. But, yeah, downtown Annapolis, Mission Barbecue, right after the parade. Mids come out, too. Um, As soon as you get on Liberty, come hang out. Um, It'll be a good time. We'll be talking Navy football. All right, so that brings us back to the defensive side of the ball. Um, And, you know, we jumped right into the defensive line, but I don't think we should – 
let's not continue talking defense. I brought up John Luce in the Army side, but he's kind of that internal guy coming through, right, that's taking over. Yes, a new coordinator. Yes, Jay Bateman, one of the brightest minds on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they went to North Carolina to be on Mac Brown's staff. But I think we should stop here in Austin. Let's, let's just bring up again. Um, and we'll do this on our obviously on our Navy season preview um, and schedule preview coming up, you know, here in the next couple of weeks. But let's talk just the defensive staff and the overhaul and what we can expect from uh, what will be a, a new look defense in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, led by uh, new hire Brian Newberry, right? We've talked about him coming from uh, Kennesaw State. It'll be the first year he's the defensive coordinator. You have a co-defensive coordinator in Brian Norwood, who has experience at the Power 5 level, most recently at Kansas State, I believe, right? Um, yep. And has spent previous years at Navy, has uh, connections with Coach Ken. I think they played and maybe GA coach together at Hawaii, or maybe Coach Ken was a GA when... Uh, Brian was still playing. I don't remember specifically, but they have a connection there. Um, so Brian Norwood definitely providing. What's that? I was just gonna say Brian's an '88 grad, Ken's an '89 grad, so they were a year apart, but both. Yeah. Hawaii so is. I think there was a GA year where he he was with them uh, as well. But anyway, so Brian Norwood coming in there more of like the the um, mentor maybe role for for Brian Newberry. Uh, but it'll be yeah. exciting to see them lead uh, the defensive staff. Brian Newberry brought in Kevin Downing. From Kennesaw State and PJ Volker. Uh, PJ Volker is with the linebackers. Kevin Downing's going to be more of the defensive ends and Raiders. Robert Green is still on staff, so it's his seventh year at Navy. Uh, and Steve Johns is also staying there, still uh, with the striker position. So um, I also forgot Jarrett Call, who's kind of the one leading the nose guards. It's his first year at Navy. I think he coached with Brian Newberry somewhere else. He didn't come from Kennesaw State, maybe most recently at Elon, if I correctly or not yeah um but basically a completely overhaul defensive staff for the most part you got a couple guys that have experienced at navy before but the leadership from top to bottom has changed significantly and it's supposed to be more aggressive i think brian newberry was was stated during the summer saying that he wanted to um just have a nose for the ball like let's make a mistake at 100 miles per hour right like let's go let's not be hesitant in our mistakes let's just kind of get after it and learn as we go so uh, hopefully we'll see that develop not only this year but in uh, the next couple of years to come. Yeah, I mean, even after last season, if you would have told me Steve Johns was going to be the most senior defensive person on staff at Navy, um, I don't know if I would have believed that, even given three and a three and ten season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just him and RB Green, and RB Green's only. I mean, it's his seventh season at Navy according to the, you know, the depth chart or whatever. But um, you know, he was active duty lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps until like. And this is like his second real full season, right? As um, staff coach position, right? Well, I mean, he was on staff as like player development or whatever, and then kind of worked into a on the field sort of role, but like as an entrenched staff member. Yeah, I mean, he's he's only been retired for a couple of years, so um, yeah, I mean, a complete overhaul. Uh, We're gonna have to, you know, get a look at all these these other guys that Newberry brought along with him. Um, uh, PJ Volker seems to, you know, been impressed by him. Same thing with with Kevin Downing. um, but the, the biggest one for me, and, and obviously everybody's going to look at Newberry, and, and hopefully that's that's you know turns out to be a great hire, and we're you know we're we've got Newberry for several years, and he just really proves himself and is on to whatever the next thing is for him because um, he seems to be a sharp guy. Um, but Kevin, or, but sorry, Brian Norwood, that's that's the one for me where it's like um, bring, snapping, you know snagging him from Kansas State, previous experience I think at Penn State, really close friends with Kenny. 
um, to be that co-defensive coordinator, to be that mentor, to bring that power five experience. Uh, I think that might've been the coup of the, the season for, or off season for Navy and, and getting him. So uh, hopefully he brings some stability to that basically brand new defensive um, coaches room. And yeah, I mean, so obviously that's, that's a big deal and a big thing. And we'll continue to talk about that uh, on future episodes um, leading into the season, especially when we talk Navy. Cause that, I mean, that's going to be one of the biggest talks of the season besides how does Malcolm kind of recover in this year on the offense. Right. So. Totally. Um, all right, let's roll into to the linebacker side of things, um, and let's just stay Navy. Well, let, yeah, let's just stay Navy because we've been talking Navy, and then we'll go over to Air Force and give Scott uh, a chance to talk about Air Force. But um, you know, looking at Navy in that you know Mike Will Striker Raider kind of group um, of linebackers, um, there's a, there's some experience, some people that kind of had flashes last year. But uh, but I mean, what are we looking at as far as that group, Austin? Um, so I think it's going to be built around, uh, Isaiah Cromartie, which is no secret, uh, looked at as defense, one of the defensive captains for the year as well. Named to Phil Steele's preseason, all AAC, one of the teams actually pop quiz. Justin, do you know who the three defensive players were that made that list for Navy? Yeah. Ooh, if I was guessing, I would say Pittman, Cromartie and, uh, Diego. So it was uh, it was Diego Camarardi and Jacob Springer actually in the striker spot. Okay. Um, so I was kind of surprised too. I looked at that earlier to see if Jackson Pittman had, had made the list, but he had not. But uh, anyway, so yeah, at the Raider spot, uh, you got Camarardi there, who's going to be the go-to, the senior kind of leader on that team, as you talked about. They've got some experience, but then they've got young guys like Diego Fago, who he's a sophomore, uh, has game experience and, and played pretty well last year as a freshman, but kind of stepped into that starting spot um, where. He's actually starting ahead on the mic spot uh, in terms of the depth chart coming into the season ahead of Paul Carothers, who's the other defensive captain, right? So that speaks, I think, pretty highly of what Diego can do at that position. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with that. I think that, I mean, he, he proved that last year as a freshman. Like, he came in, he sure. was earning playing time out of camp, basically, um, and was, the, you know, the one everybody was talking about. And so how he steps up and continues to – and takes over that mic spot – um, but then don't, let's not forget about Paul Carruthers. And I am, I do have a soft spot for him because he was one of the best students I ever had, um, in my three years teaching. Um, and he is a, a captain of the team, um, and will be, you know, he's second on the depth chart, but providing that backup, but also I think really good. I mean, I know, I, I know him, I know that he'll provide good leadership and mentorship to Diego and the rest of the linebacker crew. Um, and that's something that that's important. And when we talk air force, I think we're going to talk the same thing with Scott about just the leadership of, of that back, um, so yeah, I think that's that, that's I, I think that's yeah, not, and, to what he brings to the table. DA exactly, guys. not taken away from uh, from uh, Paul at all, but more so saying how how solid and how much of an athlete Diego is, and what a good get he's been for Navy, and how he has worked out in just short, such a short period of time. Um, and then obviously I mentioned Jacob Springer and kind of the, the striker spot. So um, you you've got a, a lot of a lot of good pieces there, but. Some with more experience or varying levels of experience from top to bottom, um, but uh, again, I think we kind of had that theme with on the offensive side for Navy. There's there's some promise, there's some potential, so it's just kind of a wait and see what's going to happen approach, right? Yeah, and I think in this group, if I was looking at defensive side of the ball, um, I already made my my thoughts known on the fullbacks, you know, Nelson Smith on the offensive side. Um, but if I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball for Navy, this position group based on talent, based on the flashes. And it's not like they have no experience. These guys showed flashes last year at times. They just don't have 
you know, a ton of experience, a ton of starts. But if I'm looking, um, yeah, Cromartie anchoring that kind of group, Diego's talent, Jacob Springer, um, and Pistorio. I mean, all these guys uh, have shown that they, they can they can play. Now it's whether they put it together or not. But it's such a critical spot on the defense, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. and, and especially with the change to Newberry's style, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, They're going to be allowed to kind of, I think, be more playmakers, yeah. right? Might not be restricted in a box. So it's going to be a football instinct probably more often than, than you know previous years. Which makes me, I'm just a little curious, and I, and maybe it's just because he's a little bit bigger or whatever, um, at that Mike spot with Diego, is is that the spot best for him and his athleticism? It might be something to watch in, in camp just sure. because of that change in kind of system and shift to uh, giving them more opportunities. You're going to get less of those at the Mike position than you are at some of the other um, positions. Yeah, so. I, I would say Newberry's made it a big point, though, to show that he wants to kind of have, I don't, I don't want to call it unconventional, but show a different a lot of different packages, yeah. right, and kind of keep people guessing. So by definition, he might be that role when he lines up, but who knows what he's going to do every play, right? Maybe that's playing into his athleticism. We'll see. Yep. Um, all right, so let's switch to Air Force then, Scott. Sorry, been a, been a few minutes. I just wanted to give a chance to talk about the just overhaul of the defensive staff because I feel like talking defense, we need to do that. So let's, let's talk linebackers at Air Force. Um, and I'm curious to get your take on this because, yeah, I mean, you got some some playmakers coming back. Yeah, absolutely. So all of our guys, just a wealth of experience, um, a great coaching staff. Now that our defensive coordinator, which granted we say that it was kind of a secret, I think anybody who did even a few minutes of research would have known that uh, Rudzinski was basically <laughs> yeah. running the show. It's last just fun season. to make fun of you for because um, that's that's like a Troy yeah. Calhoun thing, right? And and this isn't us. We're not. It's not bashing Calhoun. It's just like you can you you see the the breadcrumbs from something like this, and you point back to him, and it's like okay, like I can see how we got to this point where we're not naming a defensive coordinator until you know, even if everybody kind of knew, and we could figure it out. But I mean, it's just funny to make fun of. Well, I mean, and not to go too much on a tangent of this, um, but I I think that there's a huge element of sports where the fan experience, even if they're not at the games, a part of being a fan is making speculations and kind of understanding the full story and maybe enjoying maybe the, the kind of WWE aspects of football, really. And that's that's kind of understanding who we're working with, hearing all the rumors. And when you're an Air Force fan, you really, really the only thing you get to enjoy about being an Air Force fan is when the games are going on. Uh, you know, we don't get a lot of press conferences. We don't get uh, kind of theatrics. We don't get the pull quotes that we have from Navy's uh, coordinator and the little back and forth about strength of schedule and stuff. We just don't have that. Um, and it's definitely something that just as, as a fan, I mean, it can be a distraction too, if you go overboard, but just as a fan, I'd like to see a little more, bit more of that. And so this just kind of plays into that, how we didn't name a defensive coordinator last season until about halfway through. But um, at the linebacker position, we really are uh, extremely solid. I mean, our outside linebackers coach, uh, is an 86 grad, Brian Knorr. He's been there forever, and he's done really great work. Um, we have Lakota Wills playing outside linebacker, and he's a guy who's – all of our players are juniors, and all of them last season played in at least nine games. Um, and I think the only reason why Lakota Wills only played in nine games was due to injury. Um, but he's he's had playing time since freshman year. He's a great player. Um, and then we all, also rounding out our outside linebackers in the starting spot, we have Parker Noren. Um, and even we, we still have some depth in there. So we have Grant Donaldson, 
um, who can fill in. But And I'm not sure if we're going to have anyone else kind of filling in uh, more on the depth. I'm sure there'll probably be a younger player who comes in. But even then, all three of those guys have great experience um, and can really bring something to the table as far as our outside linebackers. For our inside linebackers, um, we have another great coach, Ron Vanderlinden, who's had a ton of experience. He's been... Um, He's actually he was the head coach at Maryland from 97 to 2000, and he's been around Air Force football since about 2014, I think. And that's, I really think, where our linebackers shine. So we have Kyle Johnson, who had a monster season last year. Um, he was able to reel in an interception. He had 27 solo tackles and just played extremely well. Um, and then we also had DeMonte Meeks, who's a little bit of a workhorse. He might not get the flashy stats. Um, but just another great player. So at the linebacker position, I think that, I mean, it, it just it is what it is. They're not as flashy, but they can really lock down the middle and prevent especially, hopefully, teams like Army from really exposing us in that aspect and really picking up and playing off the defensive line. So um, I think it's good. I wouldn't say that it's our strongest um, aspect of our defense, but I think that our linebackers are going to be really solid this season. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think it's the strongest group, but the, you have a ton of returning experience, um, and you, know, you can't discount that. That's obviously a huge aspect of just the amount of experience and the depth uh, and some just entrenched guys that have started a lot of games. Akakota Wills and Kyle Johnson, DeMonte Meeks, all these guys um, at the linebacker position, but I would agree with you. We're going to get to the de defensive backs, but uh, I'm not trying to steal thunder, but that's what I would say is your strongest defensive unit. Um, but I think the linebackers are really solid. Uh, and I think they can do just what you said. I think they can, you know, in coordination with what the defensive line's doing, I think they can really um, just kind of prevent, um, I don't know, the, the, the kind of uh, breakdowns perhaps on, on the defensive side of the ball, make the right reads, make the right plays, get in the right position to make the tackles and really open up the playmakers, which I would say is in the defensive backfield to try and have the disruptive plays, the turnovers and those sorts of things that you're going to be looking for out of them um, to – to really push the defense. So, I mean, I, I would be super excited, yeah, if I was Air Force about what they bring at the linebacker spot. Um, so, yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, on to uh, to Army. Um, so, you know, same as kind of Navy in that they have the – the they run that, that – the 3-4 with the – we already talked tackle garden in, but at the kind of Sam, Rush, Will, and Mike for their linebackers. Um, they bring some experience for sure back, um, you know, and some of their guys – uh, Amadeo West, Jeremiah Lowry, um, Arik Smith at the will position as a sophomore that stood out, I think, in spring ball and is going to get a chance. He's probably the youngest guy out you know, out of this group, but um, I think has a lot of talent at that will position. Um, but when you look Army linebackers, it's Cole Christensen, right? Um, was a junior captain last year. I can't remember, like, not, I, don't, I don't think it was the first junior captain, but one of the only junior captains, you know, in Army um hasn't had in a while so you know, he's a two-year captain he's like he's that good of a leader but also like that dude's a player um he anchors that linebacker core at the mic position which is what you'd expect out of the mic position um and so i mean he sets the tone um for that linebacker group as well as i think for the the defensive line and, and i think is just such a critical piece to what army does on defense the leadership he brings overall to the defense to the team um, and especially to the linebackers. So, yeah, be looking for Cole Christensen to have, uh, I would say, a huge year and, and some of these other guys to step up that are getting their chances now, um, even if they're you know juniors and seniors that they just haven't really seen the field yet. So it's going to be a big year for the Army linebackers too. All right, let's take uh, one more break, and we'll come back, 
we'll hit up defensive backs and then we'll have any kind of closing thoughts and it looks like we might actually get in get you in under an hour scott so uh that'll be good our first all episode right. under an hour <laughs> all right we'll be right back okay welcome back to the against all enemies podcast we've hit up the defensive line we've hit up the linebackers now what i'm excited to talk about maybe not as much for navy sorry but um let's talk defensive backs um, and I want to give this one, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it to Scott and then I'll talk army and then we'll come, we'll finish up with Navy and kind of cur- really am. I'm honestly curious to get your take on the defensive backfield, Austin. Um, but Scott, uh, when you look at the defensive backfield, tell me I was right, right? This is the, this is the heart and soul of, of the defense as far as the, the best position group as a whole. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you were to take another position where we've talked about earlier in the, in the, I guess when we were talking about the offense, you know, the good problems to have um, where it's just like, who do you start? We're kind of dealing with the same situation at safety. um, And then our DBs are are really solid as well. So last season, a guy who would break up a lot of plays um, in the backfield or in like when on passing plays was Zane Lewis. And um, I was actually surprised that he only was able to bring in one interception interception last year because he just felt like a guy who was in on a lot of plays and felt like he had a few more, but um, regardless, him and Trey Bug are both very solid players. I would actually probably say that they pose a real threat for passing offenses. Um, and some of those teams that I think we're going to really fare well against is, is keep an eye out during that Power 5 game that we have against Colorado um, and then other notorious passing teams like Utah State and Boise State. So I'm really excited about them. I think they're going to be huge factors uh, for us. But then obviously um, at our safety position, this is really where we have some serious depth and um, just coming out of the gate, the number one guy last season in terms of stats was probably Jeremy Fendelin. He was one of the guys who went to um, Mountain West Media Day, and he, he had three interceptions last year, uh, 54 solo tackles, was involved on 104 tackles. Just the guy flies around the field. Um, and then we also have Grant Thiel, who is another one. Um, he, he didn't play in as many games. I think he had some injury issues as well. Um, but another guy who can just really break up plays uh, at the strong safety position. And then this was one that was kind of surprising to, I, I, I think, some people, um, definitely myself, just because he's so in Falcons media, if you will. Um, but Garrett Coppola is put in the second position on the depth chart for both. And so we talked before about how he has this kind of intangible leadership quality and that he might be seen as kind of a captain of the defense. And so I wonder if he's in that position, um, you know, just because he's kind of being outplayed in spring ball and that kind of thing, or if it's more that they're going to rotate him in and out and he is going to maintain kind of a leadership role in the defense. Uh, But either way, hopefully as long as he keeps his attitude positive, I think he can be another person who makes a big impact because um, even even not starting just with the fast pace of the game, uh, there's no doubt that he's going to be in there. And uh, I think somebody who just wants to make an impact, they're going to be happy kind of wherever they go. And um, we do have a younger coach who has a lot of experience, Chip Vaughn. Um, he went to Wake Forest, and he's actually from my, my native uh, Fairfax, Virginia area. And he won a Super Bowl with the Saints in 2010, so he's been around this kind of wide receiver versus DB matchups. He understands it on the highest level, and I think that's a really great thing to have. Um, So, yeah, just all around, like, really this is the bread and butter of our offense. And so I think it's going to be a really exciting year for matchups, and that's something that we probably don't see usually. Yeah, uh, you meant defense, right? Bread and butter of the defense. Um, But, yeah, I agree. Like, I think think you're going to see the ability to play matchups, which you don't – yeah, you're right. You don't usually get that from – 
um, one of these teams that you're going to have, you have that level of talent in the defensive backfield. Um, and I mean, you, you, you hit it, but I mean, to have Garrett Coppola as your backup. And, and I think, I, I, I don't know, you would know better than me. I gave up a long time ago trying to read Troy and kind of, you know, how things are, what's like the tea leaves here, but um, he's the backup at both spots. So that tells me he's going to play and he's going to play a lot. Um, you know, maybe at the end mm-hmm. of the game, he may have nearly just as many snaps as, as Thiel, you know, or, or the, you know, he's going to come in to sub for both those guys. He's going to be on the field. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he was, he wasn't the starter last year, right? He did the same type thing. Like he came in and he, but he made a ton of plays coming in as kind of a backup. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, he's an impact. He's a big impact player. And, and the other thing about him is there was, there was a question about stability last season because he had some injury issues. And so that's kind of always on the table. So that was another thing that I was thinking about is maybe it's like, Hey, let's save him. Let's not overwork him. Um, let's just put him in kind of where he's needed. So if they're worrying about that and maybe there aren't too many players past those three, um, players that we have at safety, um, I feel like that could be a thing too. But as long as he can stay healthy, uh, I think we will have no issues at that position. Yeah, I agree. And then you already talked the leadership aspect for him. We've kind of hit one for every team, basically, um, that just intrinsic value they bring to the team. And he's shown that not just for the football team, but for the athletics department as a whole to the academy as a whole, right? I mean, he's that guy. Um, I, just, I have to throw this out there, guys. I'm sorry. But he's also uh, dating, like, Miss West Coast USA, Um Right. So like there's that as well. Um, and he is a, he's an attractive man. If you think bachelorette, like I'm thinking like I could see Garrett Coppola, you know, there. I mean, he's he's an attractive <laughs> young man, clearly uh, has some charisma. So he's an important part of that. But uh, I mean, he's just one part of that. You talked about Jeremy. You talked about Zane Lewis. I mean, all those guys. Right. And then the craziest thing is um, to me is that James Jones just got a fifth season. Right. To come back in that safety room and add depth again. Um, in a fifth year from a guy who's who's made plays in the past too right who who tore his ACL last year um, so it's it, it's just a, a wealth of riches uh, I would like to actually get Austin's take on this because I think Austin was actually standing up for Air Force for once because um, there was some you know chatter from mostly from Army folks uh, about like about that fifth year red shirt and how could they you know let him get take a year off for convalescent or a semester off for convalescent leave basically to go home and re you know, recover from the ACL injury. Um, and let's like, let's not pretend like every service Academy hasn't done this multiple times. Right. Correct. All right. Oh, you, you want more of my opinion on it to elaborate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was, I was yeah. trying to set you up there to talk about that. Cause it, I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I like, couldn't agree guys. Yeah. I mean, you can always find a story and, and you know, army obviously even has its own, uh, so I guess that you could call them defending Air Force. I'm just saying that I don't want to defend anyone. That's just a matter of fact in terms <laughs> that it has happened at every three at all three schools. I would prefer it probably not to happen. At, at least not give athletes the advantage of it. Um, now, if it does happen to a student where they cannot fulfill their midshipman or cadet obligations, then I totally get it. But I, I hate to think that there is an unfair advantage for an athlete to try to get that extra semester, like. And I'm not even saying there is, but I, I and I also wish there was probably a more DOD universal precedent set, but it's not going to happen because each school obviously has its own unique uh, process as well as its own needs. But I also don't think it's really that big of a deal. Like to me, it doesn't seem like it's really being abused. So I don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep over. Yeah. It. 
Well, what what I can say, I, this has nothing to do with football. It's just that um, Air Force is clearly the most difficult academy. You know, we need all of our cadets to be healthy, and that's that's really what it is. It has nothing to do with football. Did you say it was the most difficult academy? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, easily. No, I'm I'm totally. In regard in regards to just breathing air, I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) No, yes, it's it's football. It is a football (laughs) thing. But here's what I will say for for detractors from it, and the reason why this won't won't ever be quote unquote abused. You're effectively you have to find a player who is willing to stick around, be a cadet, and not take. you know, a lieutenant paycheck for an entire other semester, right? So he could be finishing up, um, and and granted, this it, the injury might also call into question his ability to commission on um, May twenty whatever of next year. Um, so it, it could be a legitimate case, but if it is strictly football, like I said, we're finding somebody who's willing to say, okay, I'm not going to graduate with all my classmates. I'm not going to go on sixty days. I'm not going to have a typical start date. This has implications down the road. It's going to probably push... It will definitely actually push off his promotion dates and all that kind of stuff. So I think that if it's a trade-off, that if you're going to allow one person to do it, one person who's willing to do it every few years to get another season of football, and it fits in with all the guidelines from the NCAA, I mean, come on, just let the kid play is really what it comes down to. And I would say that for for Army or Navy as well. Yeah, for me, there's there's just bigger bigger things on my radar than that. Like it doesn't seem like it's really being abused that often. So whatever. Sorry if that wasn't the emotional response you were having for Justin. Well, I guess my point was just that like every, all three, all three of them have done it and and probably will continue to try and do it to, you know, um, I mean, Tago applied for it, didn't get it right. But Navy's had that in the past too. Um, Clint Sobey did it right. Am I, am I wrong on that? He did did. get it right. Yeah. 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 He did. I mean, so all, all of them have done it. Um, and, but I do agree with you, Austin, that like, uh, yeah, it's for football, right? I mean, just tearing your ACL doesn't get you sent home for a semester. Um, you're going to be on crutches, hobbling around, we, trying to get to class. Um, maybe after football season, we could have a discussion on, uh, p- potential honor offenses for this. That would be an interesting discussion. Hmm. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Let's get back to defensive backs though. Right now. I don't really feel like talking about honor. Um, yeah, right you want to talk about honor? <laughs> Not right this second. Nice. <laughs> I spent a lot, large parts of my day talking about character and honor. I'm, I, I just, I want to talk about football now. <laughs> this is my football time. Yeah, yeah. Navy defensive uh, backs. No army. I want to go army next, and I'll, oh, okay. I'll save Somewhere. it for last. Because if you're looking at Air Force, I mean, look. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know. I can't even. I can't even make this decision. And I'm going to ask you guys to tell me across, just like we did for offense. For, you know, across each kind of position group, who's who's the best? And I couldn't make this decision, but Army's is really good too. Um, I mean, Elijah Riley uh, and Jalen McClinton, um, Riley at the corner position and McClinton at the safety position. Not to mention Cameron Jones, um, also at the safety position. I mean, they have some players in the defensive backfield, and the, it's the same similar to Air Force in that like Riley is good enough that he was he was matching up against every team's best receiver that army played last year they weren't they weren't playing it wasn't a scheme thing i mean he's that good that he's locking down he's that lockdown corner locking down every number one receiver um and they're playing those matchups because raleigh's that good and mcclinton uh was a beast at safety last year and these guys have swag um and they they get after it they get after the ball they're in the right you know right place 
um, at the right time. They just they just make plays. And I obviously don't follow Ar- Army as much as I follow Navy. Same with Air Force. Um, I am going to write this article this week, so uh, I look forward to kind of exploring some more of the stats because I don't have them off the top of my head um, to throw at you. But I do know I watched – 10 out of 13 Army games last year probably, and uh, and more so than any position group on the field for Army, offense or defense. The defensive backfield, to me, stood out. And I don't know if anybody else has anything to add there or chime in or watch any games and felt the same way, but but those two guys especially, Riley and McClinton um, and Cameron Jones, I mean, those are some some serious some serious talent, serious players. And to be honest, that's, that's one where I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those guys get a shot at the NFL with the new kind of – um, rules that, that Trump is, is, is implementing. That, that, that's, that is a, a group between those, those two guys, really, Riley and McClinton, that I could see one of them maybe getting a shot. Any follow-on thoughts? No? We're good? Navy? Yeah, sure. Navy. This is a group that I guess you've been a little more uh, sort of like right. bullish on, maybe? So, that, I mean, that, that, that... Go ahead. I was bullish? No, I would say I was not bullish on Navy. No. I would say I'm not more bullish on Navy now. Okay. All right. How do, well, before I start, how do you feel about the defensive back spot? Um, it, outside of Micah Farr's played some, Evan Flockman got in a, you know, a decent amount last year, but um, kind of outside of that, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm just there, – there are some guys yeah. there that have, that have played, like Cameron Kinley and Elon Nash, right? Um, so there, there are people in that depth chart – um, but other guys have risen to the top. So is that a, just a clear talent thing? Are we just trying to come out of the spring and um, push those other guys to get back up there? Or are we um, a little bit concerned about how that defensive backfield plays? And they obviously had some rough times last year. Yeah, I, I, and that's uh, that's my biggest question with it. If you look at if you look at what's happened in the depth chart, um, is it the different kind of coaching strategy, philosophy, whatever you want to say, that has kind of made the shift? Because one thing you look at is Elon Nash has a lot of playing experience, and he's second yeah. now in the depth chart at yeah. that bandit spot. Um, he's moved around. I mean, he's played safety corner back in the you know the bandit spot now. So, I mean, he's he's obviously has the ability to move around the flexibility. So it may have been, hey, where do you need me? And he was just succeeding in that role. And I, I still suspect him to do – Pretty well, but yeah, he's coming into the season second behind a sophomore and uh, and and Kevin Brennan, who maybe that speaks to the talent that you have there. Um, so it is an interesting dynamic because of moving pieces like that. Uh, you can also look at Evan Falkman, who has a lot of athleticism as well. I think he was I don't know if he was recruited as a quarterback or he played quarterback in high school at least. So he has the ability to kind of be an athlete probably wherever he's needed on the field. So you. You can kind of maybe the bullish approach is you look at this and you see players and you're like, hey, like maybe you got a new defensive staff out there that's going to find maximum use of these guys. Like, let's see what they can do and maybe they can excel. And then like the bearish approach, probably more of like, man, like what are we doing? Right. We've got things moving around, these moving pieces and, and maybe not a lot of experience or this guy who does have experience is now falling back to second in the depth chart. Um, so it's just a very unknown entity, I think, when you talk about uh, uh, these position groups or this position group um, for for Navy heading into the 2019 season. Uh, but what excites me most about all of this is if you look at the coaching staff, you'll look at Brian Newberry and Brian Norwood are the, are the two leaders of these specific position groups between the safeties and the corners. Uh, so if they're going to get 
the, they should, in theory, be getting the best coaching and the most eyes on in terms of uh, paying special attention to this group. And in an American conference that likes to, you know, throw the ball a lot, then uh, they're going to be they're going to be tested, right? Um, so I, I think the coaching staff will obviously do their due diligence to see how they can maximize this group. Um, so I, I think there's potential there. Yeah, and I wasn't. I guess I'm not downplaying the the potential maybe just overall i'm bearish <laughs> i don't know uh, or hesitant um but probably comes across that way hey sorry to interrupt we've now we brought in the market with bullish and bearish terms I, I think i saw uh what is it michael mcmorris and is it kevin brennan yeah both quan econ majors professional athlete quan econ yeah. major navy grad who is it billy hurley the third all right so maybe these uh, guys are destined for greatness yeah, I mean, so just to throw in, I, I think that now that econ is changing, where there's only going to be one econ major at, at the academy at Navy. By the way, there is no going to be no more quant econ and econ. It's just going to be um, like a blend. I think quant, like more quant econ than 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 not, um, is where that was going. But yeah, no, I mean, I I I agree with that exactly. Like you said, you could look at it both ways. Um, maybe I'm I just coming across as a, a glass half empty kind of guy. Um, with this but there's definitely experience there and it's just I think it's just a wait and see thing for me on that and and just how but you the, the point about Newberry and Norwood I think was a really good one and I hadn't thought about that that like these these two groups are getting um, you know a guy who's obviously a rising star in the industry and a guy with just an absolute ton of experience that's been at, at the, the top of the game at the power five level um, coaching them and the talents there so for me, it's a toss-up too between like the linebackers and the the DBs as to who, you know, is going to is the the shift in strategy on the defense going to show up um, early on potentially in the season as they're still kind of working through working through things the most. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're gonna see we're gonna see, and I would say I'm still excited though, right? I, and I would think you are oh, too, yeah. right? About just to see that see the new defense, Absolutely. a change from what we've pretty much known for ever right um in a lot of ways and so i think that's going to be a very exciting part of of this season and 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 across the board too we already talked air force and army um really good good players at pretty much every position um too and so you know i think that i think it's going to be an exciting year for sure and um i'm looking forward to it yeah my last my last thing on it is just like when it comes to navy defense you know they haven't after last year necessarily earned the you know the the I don't want to say the right or the ability to kind of say like hey like I've got a lot of confidence in this group going in you can see potential there you can read about it right and it's a matter of them being able to perform and make that happen yeah I would I would agree with that um, so I mean across the board though once again defense it's going to be good we're excited uh, I'm going to make this come in under an hour so we're going to go ahead and wrap this <laughs> wrap this up because I determined to make that happen for Scott so. Any final thoughts, guys, on the defensive side of the ball or just in general? Once again, for our listeners, we're going to start getting into more of a regular routine, so it should be kind of an every-week thing from here on out. And um, I think what we talked about next, guys, right, was uh, kind of looking at the schedules for each school and kind of breaking down the seasons a little bit. um, specific episode for each school. Yep, specific episode for each school. I don't think we decided who was going to, you know, who we're going to go first with, but we'll talk about that. But you can kind of anticipate. We'll make it very clear in the title of the episode if you're – 
not wanting to listen to, to Navy or whatever. Um, but we're going to do a specific episode dedicated to each school, and it'll be kind of, re- I mean, heavy on, obviously, that person for that school for our podcast, but I think it'll be good to get perspective from everybody on um, one specific school for the episode. Sounds good. Any final thoughts? Absolutely. Cool. Well, good Scott, talking with you guys. Scott said toughest academy Air Force. You hear that guy? Unbelievable. <laughs> difficult. Just for that. Difficult. Well, you guys are going to have it tough because I, I do know the new superintendent was talking about the infrastructure issues, so I wouldn't be surprised if the mids have, have a an hour a day where they're like <laughs> filling sandbags or something. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll get rid of uh, the parades for Gavin and then uh, they'll instill a building hour instead every Friday. Just work on there construction. Yeah. There you go. It is. I mean, it is a mess right there. That's that's no no joke. And the the sea level rise and stuff like that's legit. I'm about to go. I'm about to go. I'm about to go watch the Democratic debates right now. Hopefully, they're talking about you know climate change and stuff because that's going to be no joke in Annapolis. I mean, that's uh, there have been already challenges with that downtown Annapolis and the seawall um, up against the Severn right at the academy, and that's not going going to change anytime soon. But yeah, and to a lot of degree too, the mids just complaining about Wi-Fi and stuff, and it's like. I'm starting to become that like last plebe summer, last real plebe summer guy in my mind, and I don't like that, so I'm going to try and continue <laughs> to avoid that. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely some infrastructure challenges. Um, parking, that parking garage thing was just a a nightmare. Uh, the one across from alumni. Did you ever hear what happened with that? No, but if it's going to take us over an hour, so Scott is now punished for his comment about the Air Force Academy. I'm all for it. I'm, it's it's fine. <laughs> as long as we don't hit like an hour twenty. I'm no, kidding. no, no. It's a really quick story, but like they're building that parking garage across from alumni because they're building this new cyber building, right? Um, and now the parking garage is complete. It's all done or whatever. But this was like a year and a half ago, um, and it was supposed to take like six months to finish or whatever. And, and because they had already started working on the cyber building, there was like literally nowhere to park on the yard, uh, and it was really frustrating. Every single day, to have to look for a parking spot and like end up on Hospital Point and have to—I mean, I'm, now I'm the one complaining. I have to walk from Hospital Point back, back over. But they, so they had the contractor out to do this parking garage, right? Well, they build like the first two layers of the parking garage, and then they go to test it. Like, I, my my brother's in construction science and does industrial concrete work, so he was trying to explain it to me. But basically, what happened, the way I understand it, is it failed its 28-day strength test, and they'd already built like two stories of the garage. And so they fired that contractor and had to like completely tear down the entire garage and start over again. It took like an extra two years to finish the parking garage. So it was like a two and a half year project. Wow. Yeah. Just for like a, mm-hmm. a parking garage. That's the, the challenges of construction on, on the yard. So, all right. We're like one minute, one hour and one minute. So we'll cut it loose here. You guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the last little rant there. Don't forget. Uh, we'll be back more on a, on a weekly basis. We'll start some, season previews kind of thing looking at the schedules for every team individually and uh don't forget we're going to do a live show at mission barbecue upstairs august 30th for the navy holy cross game uh in annapolis downtown annapolis mission barbecue from 5 to like 6 30 uh it should be a lot of fun we're going to hopefully have some guests some barbecue some beer um and look forward to kind of kicking off uh, a new wave of of bringing the podcast and against all enemies um to the games this year for service academy football so Good, good conversation today, guys, and look forward to next time. Sure. Congratulations to the Navy Midshipmen. I can't find no more. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Now, the United States, we are-